Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. On this week's episode, Bishop and Kyle are joined by two special in-studio guests to talk about Catholic education in our diocese. Hear why Catholic schools are a priority for Bishop Rhodes, how they help the mission of our diocese, and all the different options available to help families choose Catholic schools for their children. If you have a question, submit it at RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop, or download the free Redeemer Radio app onto your smartphone or tablet and select Ask Your Questions. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman, joined by our bishop and two of his friends. We have Dr. Joe Brettnacher, Superintendent of Catholic Schools for the Diocese, as well as Carl Lesh, the Secretary of Catholic Education. Thank you all three of you for being here. You're welcome, welcome. Kyle. You know, you. they are my friends. They're yeah. my close collaborators. Uh-huh. I don't know what I'd do without uh, the great work of, of Carl as Secretary for Catholic Education and Joe as our Superintendent of Schools. I'm just very grateful, and I'm glad they're here for this because to get their expertise, because I learned so much from them. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and Catholic education is such a huge part of our diocese, and we think of how many people are just employed by our Catholic schools and and how big of a a component of the diocesan kind of attention needs to be directed to that. And Bishop, you recently gave a, a presentation to Catholic educators from across the country talking about vouchers. Can you give us a little bit bit of a background on who you were speaking to and and why you were speaking about vouchers? Yes, it was a um, it was really a small group. I mean, probably about thirty. It was um, a meeting scheduled uh, co sponsored by the USCCB and Notre Dame's ACE program, okay. uh, Alliance for Catholic Education. I just gave a little talk there about the Indiana program because we were talking a lot about educational choice. The part where I spoke was was about how uh, expanding access to our Catholic schools through educational choice. So really, we're so blessed in Indiana because, you know, there are choice programs around the country, but, I mean, we have both tax credits and choice scholarships or vouchers. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned earlier uh, about how important Catholic education is in our diocese, and it's one of my top priorities. And we're very blessed, you know, we're educating... This year, we have an enrollment in our Catholic schools of 13,532 students. Wow. It's really significant. I learned when I was in D.C. about so much decline in Catholic school enrollment across the country. Mm -hmm. We've pretty much held our own. And one of the things that's helped us to hold our own is is so many of our students are able to receive these choice scholarships. As a matter of fact, 49% of our Catholic school students. So that's really significant. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, one thing, and I I guess the most important thing that I want to say about this is that the truth that parents have a primary duty and a right in regard to the education of their children. Mm -hmm. This is a fundamental principle. We read in the Second Vatican Council's Declaration on Christian Education about this. It says, parents have a primary and inalienable duty and right in regard to the education of their children, and they should enjoy the fullest liberty in their choice of school. 
Well, you really don't have much liberty if you can't afford a private school mm -hmm. education and your tax money is going all to the public school, you know, a subsidy. So the Second Vatican Council said that there's a duty of public authority, the government, according to the principle of distributive justice, distributive justice, to ensure that public subsidies to schools are so allocated that parents are truly free to select schools for their children in accordance with their conscience. You see, back in the I guess it was uh, late 19th century. Joe and Carl would know this better. Uh, it was a time of a lot of anti-immigrant and anti-Catholic mm. bias. And that was when our schools started. I mean, it's over 170 years ago that we had our first Catholic school in the territory, which is now the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. But when the immigrants came, there was an effort to, and this was really when public schools were the corporations were just getting what they called the common school was just beginning. But there were a lot of religious schools at the time. But because of this anti-Catholic sentiment, there was an effort to prohibit any funding for non-public school. Okay. And that was a violation of the rights of parents. Uh, so it failed on the federal level, but what are called the Blaine Amendments, named after the sponsor of this, were adopted in 37 out of the 50 states. And including Indiana, we have a Blaine Amendment over a century ago. So the primary rights of parents were rejected in favor of the rights of the states. And all that was based on this anti-Catholic, anti-immigrant, hmm. you know, uh, bias that was there. Now, today, we have a similar issue. It's not always anti, it's more anti-religious. Right. I mean, there is anti-Catholicism still, no, no question. But it's now in favor of, of secularism, mm -hmm. which is kind of the removal of God or uh, religion from not only public schools, but also society. Mm -hmm. So we're very fortunate to be in the state of Indiana where we have a tax credit program. We call them SGOs, school scholarship granting organizations in Northeast Indiana, where because of this scholarship program, benefactors can make contributions and receive a 50% state tax credit. And this has really helped because the SGO, and we have one here in our diocese in Northeast Indiana, where we can give scholarships to low and middle income children to attend private schools of their choice, including our Catholic schools. That's really helpful. There's tax credits. There's a lot of states that have tax credits now, and that's a really good thing. But the other thing that's more unique and has had an even bigger impact than the tax credit program is the Choice Scholarship Program, commonly referred to as vouchers. And all 43 schools of our diocese are participating choice schools. The program is administered by the state. Parents apply for the scholarships through the school. So there's different paths or tracks towards eligibility. The money goes to the parents. They get to decide the, the school for their children. And that has been a great help to us in our diocese, especially some of our inner city poorer parishes where, you know, the diocese was loaning a lot of money. I mean, a couple places, diocese had loaned over a million dollars to keep some of our inner city schools open. Hmm. Um, and I don't think they would have been able to be sustained if it wasn't for the choice scholarships. So I don't want to go on. And 
too much, but it's really helped. It's been a huge blessing to us. You know, our Hispanic, our Latino population has grown quite a bit thanks to this program. And what's really important is that um, that it doesn't, uh, as some get a little worried that by receiving vouchers that uh, the government can come in and start telling us about our curriculum or it could hurt our Catholic identity, different things like that. Well, that hasn't happened, mm-hmm. thanks be to God. And um, uh, There is the potential that the government could say, if you're going to take our money, then you have to do what we say. And right. then we, so we have to be vigilant. Yeah. And the Indiana Catholic Conference, you know, we're very vigilant about that. There was an effort last year, and I think again this year, where the state would say, oh, you can only, schools could only be eligible to receive voucher students if they follow these hiring procedures. So mm-hmm. you can't, they would say, for example, that you can't have any uh, discrimination against those who are in same-sex marriage mm-hmm. or we're talking about teachers right. uh, or counselors for that matter, or, you know, someone who's transgendered or whatever. Well, those efforts have failed in our legislature and they're respecting our religious freedom, mm-hmm. which is really, really important because we should be able to control who we hire. And that's really important to the Catholic identity that we have that freedom. Yeah. Maybe Dr. Joe or Carl, you could give us a little history on when we started being able to receive vouchers for our Catholic schools. And maybe I'm also kind of curious, how dependent are we on those now that we've been accepting them for a while as, as our families being dependent on it or expecting it and kind of planning finances around it and maybe our schools as well. Well, Indiana started uh, um, receiving uh, school choice scholarships back in 2011. And it is uh, the largest uh, voucher program in America oh, wow. right now. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And um, Indiana also has, as Bishop talked about, the school scholarship tax credits. And then there's a, another little known one, the uh, private school, homeschool deduction that um, is available. Hmm. But uh, the uh, Choice Scholarship Program as Bishop also noted, um, also provides our parents the opportunity to choose the school that they want to send their children to. Gives us an opportunity to be able to evangelize and uh, to teach our Catholic values and morals. Sure. No question, it's a critical component of our Catholic schools with nearly 50% of our children accessing choice scholarships to come to our schools. So we need to continue to be vigilant on our Catholic Mm -hmm. identity and our hiring practices. And we're grateful for our donors who uh, contribute through uh, the SGO fund and just general contributions to our schools. And through all this, we'd be remiss if we didn't highlight the sacrifice of our teachers Mm -hmm. uh, who give great service to our diocese, often for less salary than they could make in a public school, but they Mm -hmm. see it as their mission, uh, their vocation, their calling to serve children in this way. So we're, we're grateful for them. Yeah, maybe we can kind of get into that in a little bit. Uh, I want to continue this conversation about Catholic schools when we return right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.
Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop and also joined by Dr. Joe Brettnacher, the superintendent of Catholic schools for the diocese, and Carl Lesch, the secretary of Catholic education. We've been talking about our Catholic schools and the voucher system. And I guess maybe one of the questions would be, why do we even need Catholic schools? We have great public schools, at least some of them, and are doing a fine job of educating our children. Why do we need Catholic schools? Catholic schools are so important to the mission of our diocese, and it has a great history here. I'm grateful for my parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents were educated here in our Catholic schools. As we hear today in the media and through the state legislature, all this talk about college and career readiness, mm -hmm. that's important. We want our students to be well-trained. But our goal, our mission, our telos in our Catholic schools is different. We're training our kids for heaven. We're trying to help them grow in holiness and all this working in close collaboration with our parents. So that's always what we're working towards. And yes, in the process, are we working towards the common good? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Are many of our graduates uh, great leaders in our community and they uh, provide services, teachers and nurses, lawyers, doctors, et cetera. But it's always with this longer goal in mind. And we work closely with parents. I just reminded us, as a parent going to my own children's baptisms, I made a promise to educate my children in the faith. Mm -hmm. And our Catholic schools help our parents to accomplish that. And we talk in the Catholic Church about the parents are the primary educators. I don't know if this is something that we talk about in secular world as the parents are the primary educators of their kids. Uh, but how do we foster that with our Catholic schools of, yes, we're here to help these children to get the education that they need, but also raise them in the faith, but realizing also that the parents are those primary educators. When we do it well, we involve the students uh, in the daily interaction, have homework assignments that encourage conversations between parents and children, have the parents in the building frequently for conferences and things like that to really get the parents involved in the day-to-day -day interactions of the school. And our teachers know that they play a subsidiary role um, with the parents and the mm -hmm. education of their children. And they work hard um, with their parents to make sure that their students are challenged uh, spiritually, intellectually, physically, and socially. Yes, and um, I just want to echo what Carl and Joe said. But getting back a little bit to uh, what Carl said about the purpose of our Catholic schools, I couldn't agree more. And I would add to, to that that we need Catholic schools today more than ever. Hmm. Uh, I've said that in many different venues. And why do I say that? I mentioned earlier that Catholic schools began in this country because of the anti-Catholicism. So they can say, well, we don't have that same level of anti-Catholicism today, although that's questionable. Right. But we're living in a different culture that is very different than the 19th century culture in that there is a culture of secularism and relativism. So I'm concerned about our children and young people in this culture. I mean, we see how uh, the, the huge increase in the number of young adults who are religious nuns, who are unaffiliated with any religion. We need to be concerned about this. It's the influence of secularism and relativism. And in our Catholic schools, we want to form our children in the truth. We believe there is definitive truth. And ultimately, that truth is God. So many young people are disoriented. 
because if you live in or have this mindset that there is no truth or there is no ultimate good, mm-hmm. there's confusion. Right. Well, we believe in that we can pursue the truth on the wings of reason and faith. And that's what we do in our Catholic colleges and universities, hopefully, Mm -hmm. but also in our Catholic high schools and Catholic elementary schools. We approach this from the perspective of right reason and faith, believing that there is a truth, and that ultimate truth is God, who has revealed himself to us in his son, Jesus, who himself is the truth. We don't believe in what's called radical autonomy, that we can freely decide what truth is. I mean, we see that, for example, in gender ideology, and that's seeped into some schools, mm-hmm. not Catholic schools, where you know a person can define for himself or herself whether he's a man or he or she is a man or a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of ideology, it, it leads you know, it's it's very, very harmful, and it's harmful to children. So we need our Catholic schools where, where they're not going to be indoctrinated into that kind of an ideology. We're involved with the education of the whole person, the minds, the hearts, and the souls of our students. So it's not just about acquisition of knowledge, which is important, but knowledge that is ordered to the truth, hmm. but also the formation of the heart, that ultimately the truth is love because God is love. So we teach our children and our young people not only uh, their minds, but also the forming of their hearts to love God and to, to love one another, to respect the dignity of every person, the dignity of human life from the moment of conception to natural death. And therefore, part of our Catholic schools is about forming our children in virtue Mm -hmm. so that they will be truly happy and authentically Mm -hmm. free. So we're getting to some very deep things we're involved here. And we need this today in a rather disoriented and confused culture. And really, why do we make these sacrifices that we make for our Catholic schools, for this Catholic educational system? Ultimately, because we love our children Mm -hmm. and we want them to be happy. We want them to be fulfilled. And ultimately, as Carl said, we want them to live forever with God in heaven. We want them to be saints. And that gets into vocation, I think, too. Not just getting the best education, the best grades that you can get so you can get into the best college and get the best paying job, but to say, wait a minute, what is God calling you to and how can you use the mind that God gave you to do his will, whatever path that might be, and to help that discernment process? And I think we see this in our Catholic schools. So there's vocation with a big V and vocation with a small V, as Mm -hmm. I would refer to it. And everyone has a vocation, a call to holiness, different talents, gifts, as you mentioned. Some may be called to priesthood or religious life, and that's Mm -hmm. great. We have a just a wonderful visit out to see our seminarians coming back from the March for Life. Uh, It's great to see the religious sisters in our school, but others have a call to holiness in family life and to be holy uh, husbands and wives and uh, lawyers and doctors, et cetera, et cetera. And our schools form our children in this. Yeah. One of the things that I like to do is when I go out and I talk to students is to talk about the Lord's Prayer and have them concentrate on thy will be done. Mm -hmm. Are they going to answer God's call 
for their vocation in life. And that's such a great thing to be able to go into our schools and to see all of the teachers and the staff that have answered God's call to a vocation in Catholic education. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Talk about the faith aspect, the absolute truth versus relativism, all these different things that our Catholic schools offer. I think regardless of how people feel about that, either for or, or maybe some against it, one of the questions that comes in with the financing of getting government money, some might say by taking vouchers or whatever, this is taking away from the public schools and making them lesser because of it. Others would say that the Catholic schools have actually saved the government billions of dollars. So can you maybe speak to these two different sides of the coin? I can mention just a little bit of it. So several years ago, I saw a study by the NCEA, the National Catholic Education Association. Uh-huh. And they said at that time, each year, Catholic schools were saving our nation over $20 billion. Wow. In one year. <laughs> now multiply that over yeah. 100, 150 years of Catholic education. So we should flip that on its head that our Catholic schools have actually provided great service mm-hmm. uh, at limited cost to our government. On the other side, without getting into the weeds too much here, uh, the way the pie is sort of funded here in Indiana, 60% of funding for schools for public schools come from the state, 32% from local property taxes, 8% from the federal government. When we talk about a voucher, it's 90% of that state piece. The rest of the money stays with the public schools. Okay. So it's only a portion of that. And so if you just look at the number of students, it's 36,000 in Indiana this year who receive a voucher to go to non-public schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually saving the government $70 million. Uh, and that money is returned to other public schools. So it's not just about the money. We're, yeah. we're providing great service right. to our state, uh, to our families, but we have no beef with our public schools. We're sure. grateful for their service to the common good. And there are many great Catholic families who teach, and that's their vocation to teach in the public schools. We wish them well, but we're here to answer our calling to serve students in Catholic schools. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any questions, just a reminder, you can ask Bishop by going to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. You can call or text the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And coming up, we will continue our conversation about Catholic schools on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop and special guests, Dr. Joe Brettnacher, who is the superintendent of Catholic schools here in our diocese, and Carl Lesch, the secretary of Catholic education. And we've been talking a little bit about vouchers, and many listeners are probably taking advantage of this and are realizing the value there. And some might not think that they're eligible for them. Some might be thinking that they can't afford a Catholic school. And maybe you can talk a little bit about how the vouchers work and and how somebody would go about getting more information about them. Well, first of all, if we have parents that are seeking a Catholic education for their children, we encourage them to contact the Catholic schools office here and uh, inquire about it. There are eight separate tracks, so it gets somewhat complicated, Uh um, and we can help parents determine what track they might be able to qualify. Regardless of what the tracks are, there's income levels that 
uh, families have to be able to meet in order to get the vouchers. But the tracks um, include special education track, any student that is on an individual education uh, plan and has the appropriate income level can go that route. There's also a pre-K track now. Parents who are sending their children to our Catholic um, pre-K schools can go that route if they can meet the uh, income levels. Mm -hmm. There's also um, the track if the school does not receive the accountability grade that they should receive. So we often refer to that as the F track or the DNF track. Um, Hmm. If you have a student that resides in in one of those school corporations, then parents have the choice to transfer to either a non-public or another public school. Okay. Also, we have a previous choice scholarship track. So, Siblings would um, qualify if they had uh, previous choice scholarships. And then we have the previous SGO track. So any student that's been on an SGO prior to uh, applying for a choice scholarship can qualify, again, at the right income level. And then we also have another track that's two semesters in a public school And finally, the sibling track. If a sibling qualifies, then um, another sibling underneath the right income level of the parents can qualify. And so you're saying the best way to find information about this is not to call your local Catholic school, but to call the Catholic school's office for the diocese. Call the Catholic school's office for the diocese. And also, um, our Catholic schools are well-versed, too. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And just in general, I think uh, some people who thought they weren't able to qualify after looking into it said, oh, wow, I can actually get some of this money and get some help with my kid's education. Is there a general rule for a, a threshold of, of income level? Is it based on how many children that you would have as well? Yeah, it's uh, based upon the number of children that you have. And also it's based upon the um, percentage of income based upon uh, free and reduced lunch. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so is there a, a general figure for income that we could throw out there as a, if you make under this amount, then you should definitely look into it? Or does it really depend on the situation? If you had uh, one child at the 100% reduced um, lunch eligibility, the average earnings um, would need to be $23,106 or, or less uh, for 120 5%, it would be $28,883.13. And uh, for the 150 of reduced lunch eligibility, it would be $34,669.79. That continues on based upon the number of children that you have in your family from 1 until 10. And then the income rises if you had uh, 10 in the household that were attending a Catholic school, the 100% of reduced lunch eligibility would be $96,699.50. Okay. Yeah. So pretty significant. Yeah. There. Is, is this different then from the choice scholarship? So this is, you talk about choice scholarship availability here. Uh, and then 
students and FEMS can also receive a tax credit scholarship that could be in addition to this uh, scholarship. So the other piece that's a little bit uh, strange, and again, not to get into the weeds too far, the state sends different funding per student to different districts in the state. And so depending on what district you're coming from, you might receive a different voucher amount. Okay. So your school can help you with that. The Catholic Schools Office can help you with that. And it's just part of the particularities of the law. Um, so, but we encourage people to you know, call your Catholic school, call the Catholic school's office. And there is some information available in the Department of Education. If you look under school choice, you can find some information there. All right. And I know one thing that we often say is that hopefully people wouldn't feel like they couldn't attend to a Catholic school because of their finances. And that I, I don't know what's available from school to school or within the diocese, but I know at our school, we've always said, don't let that be a reason that you don't come to our school. Let's sit down, talk about it, and figure out how we can make this available for your child. Absolutely. Please, please have that conversation. It's a wonderful gift to give to your children. And there are at least three buckets that we talk about in each school. One would be a possibility of a voucher. Second would be the possibility of a tax credit scholarship. And then third, almost every school has other scholarship money there that donors have generously given mm -hmm. to make sure oftentimes it's paying back a, a generous uh, gift of Catholic education was given to them sure. in a previous generation. So please have the conversation. All right. Well, again, if you have any questions for Bishop, you can go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop, as well as find past episodes of this show there. You can text us on the Holy Cross College text line 260-436-9598. And coming up, we have more about our Catholic education and some court cases that have come up as well. Right here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services to save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop and our special guests, Dr. Joe Brettnocker, the superintendent of Catholic schools here in our diocese, and Carl Lesh, secretary of Catholic education. And there's a couple court cases that have come up that I think would be really interesting to talk about, including is this all constitutional. Uh, before we get into that, though, maybe you can give us a little history. This isn't new to have these court cases or arguments about Catholic education versus public education, is it? Well, let's take a, a little bit of a quick history lesson here. Uh, so people have always had strong feelings about educating their children here in the United States. Uh -huh. Questions like what type of schools may children attend, who controls the curriculum, Who's controlling the textbooks? Who hires the teachers? And can public money be used for non-public schools? Just a few of the questions that have been contentious. Sure. Thinking all the way back to 1840s, there's a rising uh, immigration population, particularly from Ireland, many Irish Catholics coming. And the public schools at that time had a heavy influence of Protestantism. They used a Protestant Bible in the schools. The bishop at the time, Bishop Kendrick, asked if he could have his families use a Catholic Bible. Uh -huh. This led to a riot in 
Philadelphia. A convent was burned to the ground. People were killed. That's how vehemently these battles were fought in the 1840s. Fast forward to 1850s and 60s, there were key meetings of the U.S. bishops talking about the importance of Catholic education. The bishops even said that for a family to choose to go to a public school, they had to have permission of the bishop not to go to the Catholic school. They also said that every parish in the United States should have a Catholic school uh, within a couple years. We never quite got to that amount. But at the peak of Catholic school education, there were over five and a half million children in Catholic schools, Mm -hmm. uh, a tremendous sacrifice. Just after the Civil War, anti-Catholicism, again, was rising, and we had um, artists, and if you've ever seen these cartoons, just really uh, nasty anti-Catholic cartoons by a guy named Nast that uh, were shocking, mm-hmm. um, but they were allowed. And then you have a bishop referenced earlier in the program, the Blaine Amendments. Blaine was a, um, a senator from Maine who tried to get an amendment into the U.S. Constitution. It did not pass there, but it did go into 37 states. Oregon, in the early 1920s, made a law that every child had to go to public schools. In other words, Catholic parents could not choose to send their child to a Catholic school. That case went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court in 1925. They ruled in an interesting statement that the child is no mere creature of the state, that the parents have the fundamental right. Um, Now, that didn't necessarily decide the funding issue, but at least gave the parents the right to choose what type of school is best for their child. In the 1970s, Milwaukee had the first voucher laws and... uh, provided great service to the families there. And then finally, the early uh, 2011, 2012, Indiana kind of came on the scene and it went to the Indiana Supreme Court. Maybe Dr. Joe can say a little bit about the Indiana Supreme Court. Yeah, back in March of 2013, the Indiana Supreme Court ruled in a landmark five to nothing uh, decision that choice scholarship program does not violate the state constitution and the constitutional Uh, prohibitations against government funding of religious entities. Also, that it does not apply to entities providing primary and secondary education via Meredith versus Pence. The court held, first, the voucher program expenditures do not directly benefit religious schools, but rather directly benefit lower-income families Mm -hmm. with school children, by providing an opportunity for such children to attend non-public schools if so desired. Second, the prohibition against the government expenditure um, to benefit religious and theological institutions did not apply to institutions and programs providing primary and secondary education. Mm -hmm. So what would have been the counter-argument to that Separation of church and state okay, yeah. um, would have been the argument. But to that point, let's take a look. So some of our hospitals, public and private, receive government funding. Mm-hmm. If, say, a 1,000 people go to a public hospital one year, they continue to receive government funding. If some of those patients choose to go to a non-public hospital, perhaps a Catholic hospital the next year, we don't say, well, the Catholic hospital can't receive government funding. Mm-hmm. Or we think also of the GI Bill that helped so many of our soldiers after World War II. They were allowed to use that money at public or non-public schools. So there's a history here of uh, allowing it, but it's also been uh, when money's involved, tempers can flare. But we would always 
conclude that the money should follow the child mm -hmm. and that parents have the fundamental right to choose where the child goes to school. And Bishop, is this something that the U.S. bishops have been directly involved with or is this something that you talk about a lot with, uh, like I said, this is a huge part of our diocese is our Catholic education. Uh, so how, how have the bishops been involved with that? Yeah, uh, the USCCB, our Episcopal Conference, we have a committee on Catholic education. So we have a staff in Washington, uh, the Secretary for Catholic Education, very important, especially on the federal level, so that we would kind of have uh, our ears open to what's happening on the federal level, just like on the state level, we have our individual state Catholic conferences. So, so that's important. Um, but yeah, the U.S. bishops, I would say, on the whole, are very committed to Catholic school education. Several of them are, are really struggling because they don't have the school choice opportunities that we have in Indiana. Mm -hmm. So it's really sad because of that injustice that uh, a lot of Catholic schools have had to be closed because the parishes or the diocese can't afford them. But there's a lot of strong efforts being made, though, to to raise money to be able to and to continue to advocate for school choice, but also to to um, we want our schools not just to be schools for the wealthy. I mean, you know, we have a commitment to the poor. We don't want to abandon our inner cities. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in some places, it's pretty sad when inner city schools have been doing a great job educating those who are poor. It's just such a tragedy for those children or for the neighborhood sometimes mm -hmm. because there's social capital involved here when schools have to close. And it really is an injustice because if they've been, you know, those who've gone through, especially in those areas, um, Catholic school education, it opens up so much for them, including the possibility for many of a college education. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a, a high priority of the U.S. bishops. Mentioned kind of the history of some of these court cases. Uh, anything that we should be aware of that's going on currently or recently? I think it's important to keep in mind just last week, near the end of January, a court case was argued was out of Montana, Espinosa versus Montana. Montana uh, put in a tax credit scholarship, but the law said that it could not be used in sectarian, meaning religious schools. Okay. Uh, so that went all the way to the Supreme Court and they were made the arguments last week. You can read the... Um, the conversation was pretty fascinating arguments back and forth. We probably won't get a decision on that till June, uh, but that could have an impact on uh, these Blaine amendments uh, in the 37 states, United States. So just keep apprised of what's going on in your, our legislation. Pay attention to folks like the INPEA, the National Indiana Non-Public Education Association. They're great uh, advocates for us. And when they ask for parents to call their legislatures, please call in support of these opportunities for parents to choose the best school for their child. Mm -hmm. Every one of our schools should have uh, parents to help volunteer to be school liaisons to help out the INPEA. And what does that consist of? Uh, it consists of having volunteers step up, and then there's special training that uh, the Indiana Non-Public Education Association provides. There's a booklet. Also, the INPEA, John Elsesser, um, he has his um, chats, uh, statehouse chats, on a weekly basis covering uh, some of the legislation that uh, is moving. And he asks for um, help from our schools 
non-public and Catholic schools to contact their legislators mm-hmm. and let them know how we feel about certain legislation. So the liaison would serve to kind of receive this information and then disseminate that amongst parents, volunteers, anybody that's involved with the school or would have be impacted by it? Yes, they would do that. And okay. in addition, um, we also like our schools to host legislators okay. and bring them to the school and to show them what we, the good that we do with the uh, choice funds that follow our students um, to our schools. So like a school tour? A tour, um, sitting down, um, giving the representatives an opportunity to ask questions about Catholic education, to take a look at uh, good work that the uh, students are doing in the classroom based upon the guidance of the teachers. Okay. And who arranges that? Is that the liaison that would make that happen? The liaison would work with the building principal um, to make that happen. All right. So maybe if that's something you feel called to and you're interested in, contact your local Catholic school and see if they already have somebody doing this or if they need somebody. That's right. Or contact the Catholic school's office and we'll put you in touch with uh, the schools nearest you. All right. Mm-hmm. Great. Any other thoughts, uh, Bishop or Dr. Joe or Carl? You know, I, I, talking on the political level, um, you know, our representatives, both on the national, but also on the state and local level, you know, I encourage our Catholic people to... Uh, to find out where they stand on the issue of school choice. I'm very grateful that we have many legislators, for example, in our diocese who are in favor of school choice, but we also have some who are against it. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to know where your representatives stand Mm -hmm. and let them know. Sure, We need to let our voices be heard. I think we're too quiet sometimes. So I encourage people to... uh, to look at that. We obviously look at different issues. We look, you know, when we decide who to vote for, Mm -hmm. this is one of those issues we should be looking at. And one I think we don't talk about very often, you know, because the kind of the big life and death issues we we do talk about a lot because they are so grave. Uh, But this is definitely another issue that has a lot of trickle down effect, you know, not, not just one person, but so many people. And then who knows how many people that their lives would affect yeah, and it's an issue of justice. Mm-hmm. It's an issue of justice. As I mentioned earlier, just tremendous gratitude for all the teachers who educated us through the years, especially the religious sisters who staffed our schools. You know, it used to be 95% of the staff in our schools were religious sisters, mm-hmm. and now it's completely flipped. And now it's about 3% nationally are religious in our schools. And we're grateful for the lay people whose mm-hmm. vocation, they've answered the vocation of teaching our schools. But we try to do our best to pay them a just salary. Um, So we're thankful for the parents who make the sacrifice, the teachers who make the sacrifice, and the community, the parish, the parishioners who put money in the basket to support our Catholic schools. Yeah. And we want our Catholic schools um, to be able to receive students so that we can work to help them to become disciples of Christ, help them to fulfill their destiny to become saints, and the ultimate goal is to help them to reach heaven. Yeah. And it's not just for Catholics and there's no obligation to convert. If you become a student at one of our Catholic schools, everybody is welcome as well. And we want to share what we've Uh, we've learned with all. And, uh, you know, sometimes people ask, well, how many of your students in Catholic schools and you know, in our diocese are Catholic, Uh 85.5% are Catholic. Oh, interesting. Uh, But 14, 
0.5% or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm glad that we can serve them. And, you know, and I often will hear the gratitude of those parents as well for the opportunity of a Catholic education. Yeah. All right. So somebody wants more information about Catholic schools in general or vouchers. You mentioned they can call the office. Is there also a website available that they can go to? Then go to the Indiana Non-Public Education Association uh, website. Okay. I believe that's www.inpea.com. And okay. uh, they can get information there. They can get information um, on our website um, here. They can contact the Catholic Schools Office, and they can also contact their local schools. All right. Well, great. Thank you so much. Dr. Joe Brettnocker and Carl Lesh for joining us. And Bishop, always a pleasure to have you share some of your wisdom with us. Just just a little slice. Each. You don't you don't uh, you don't disseminate it all at one time. You you gently <laughs> give us a little bit at a time, which I appreciate. Can we get your Episcopal blessing before we go? Sure. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord now Amen. and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Next week, hear about Bishop's recent trip to El Salvador with Catholic Relief Services. Learn about the issues facing the people there, its culture, and the strong faith life Bishop found despite poverty and injustice. Plus, hear how Bishop walked in the footsteps of St. Oscar Romero. If you have a question for Bishop to answer, go to RedeemerRadio.com slash AskBishop. While there, scroll through our audio library and catch up on previous episodes anytime and anywhere. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union.